You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. On this episode of the Moisture Festival podcast, we triangulate positions from Seattle to Oregon to San Francisco. We represent each West Coast state and we bring in Felicity Hesed. We talk about her journey as a theater kid, how she stumbled into circus and then into clowning. Yeah, how she literally stumbled into circus, how she fell in love with the clown and how she came to run her own circus theater company. It's a pretty great story to sort of uh, see how someone can find their true love uh, and their passion later in life. And I mean, not later in life, in their mid-20s, but <laughs> but we're going to let her tell you the stories. Uh, let's get to it. Great conversation. Do it. Today's guest is a creator, actor, director, producer, and physical comedian. She has performed in China with the New Pickle Circus and Teatro Zinzani. She was the artistic director at the Circus Center in San Francisco and now runs her own theater company called The People's Circus. We welcome in Felicity Hesed. Hello. Did I, say, did I say it right? Hesed? Is that? Hesed. Okay. That's good. Wait, yeah. wait. Did you say like acid? Hesed. Okay, gotcha. So the stress is on the first syllable. Gotcha. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. I think you were in our first group of like 10 people we emailed um, in 2020 to, to when we first started this podcast. And our schedules and just keep bouncing around. Finally, yeah. <laughs> the hardest person to get on the podcast. We finally have. So finally, yes. <laughs> uh, so my first question is, I read an interview with you and uh, you discovered circus as an adult. You know, you, a lot of these circus performers are born into circus families or they're, you know, trained, exposed at a young age, but uh, you don't often hear people uh, come into it as an adult. Can, what? what uh, tell us the story. Yeah, well, I was uh, I was born into the theater. So I was a theater kid. My dad taught at a high school and like directed shows for the high school. So I was that kid that was like tagging along and learning all the choreography and the lines for the shows. And, you know, when he needed a little kid, I, I was that person. So I was born into a theater family. Um, and that was like my thing. I went to college for theater. I moved to Chicago after college and was like being a, a working actor and doing the whole thing. Um, and I was a little like, there's got to be something more. Like, I just felt like it wasn't, it, it wasn't quite everything I wanted it to be. Um, and one day I, I literally was walking by this building and they had these big windows and inside people were on trapezes and tumbling and juggling. And I just was, I was thought, I just want to do that. That looks amazing. So turns out it was the Actors Gymnasium, um, which is actually in Evanston, not Chicago. But um, so I started taking classes there and that place is very unique because they do have a very close relationship to theater. They uh, work a lot with the Looking Glass Theater. So they already kind of have this sense of theater and circus being combined. So that was 
you know, that sort of was like an, a natural assumption to make there is that you would storytell through your circus. Um, so that fit very well with me as a theater person. Um, yeah. So I started and mostly was doing it just for fun and was like kind of inspired by, oh, how can we take theater to this other level and make it more physical? Um, but I never really thought I could necessarily like be a circus performer. In fact, everybody kind of said, even though I was only like in my early twenties, they were like, well, yeah, you're kind of too old for it already. Uh, um, which is so 19 funny. 19 years old, too old. <laughs> well, I was older than that. I, okay, fair <laughs> I was mid twenties to be honest. But I like, I like how you kind of do like, I was like 23. Okay. <laughs> 25 maybe, <laughs> you know, but since then I've met all of these amazing circus artists, some of whom don't start till that age and some of whom perform into their sixties or older, you know, so, but I really had this idea in my head that I was too old. I was just doing it for fun. And, but I, I just was obsessed. I couldn't help myself. So I moved out to San Francisco to do the clown conservatory program and was still kind of training my trapeze on the side because I just loved it. And it was so fun. Um, and then it wasn't until actually after having my first baby that I made my first like professional trapeze act, which is very, a very like backward story from most people. Most people stop doing trapeze <laughs> after their first baby. Yeah. I was really kind of the opposite. It was a comedy trapeze act and it was funny because I was funny and I had strong skills because I'd been training with the best here in San Francisco at the Circus Center with Elena Panova and other amazing coaches. Um, and and it just worked. I don't know. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. So that's what happened. <laughs> so you you came into, the, you know, you grew up in a theater family. Uh, you know, I, I envision you wearing all black in school with like the headset and a clipboard or something. I only but, wish. No, okay. I did not. <laughs> uh, and then you it, you became, became a professional actor is what in the bio that I read. What is a what explain to, the, to people what that looks like? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, it's a lot of auditioning and not getting cast and then getting cast in some things. And some of them maybe you're excited about and other things you think, well, that's really stupid, but it does pay. And aren't I lucky? Um, <laughs> no, well, I, didn't mean I, I, I think I read somewhere that that's how you stumbled into like an improv show. Yes. And that was one of those where Oh, this show is amazing. Okay. So this was one of those auditions where I just said to myself, you just got to keep auditioning, right? Go to every audition. And this was one where I, I had always hated improv. I was the person who was like, no, give me a script. Let it be oh. very serious and dramatic. And, and then I can really do my thing. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, but I was, I was doing the thing. I was going to every audition. So I went to this audition. I ended up getting cast much to my horror because it was an improv show and I was horrified that I would have to do this in front of people. Um, but it was a, it's a really cool company. They're not around anymore. They're called the Free Associates. And they would do these full-length improvised shows that were parodies of other famous things. So the one I got cast in was called BS. And it was a parody of ER for the old folks out there who remember that. <laughs> it was kind of like Grey's Anatomy, but the yeah. old version. 
It's what gave us George Clooney. George Clooney, man. Well, so we, so see, we all know we are of a certain age, I guess. Like, what are your reference? These reference points are horrible. (laughs) Um, but it was this really fun show. So everyone had their characters. You, we took uh, suggestions from the audience at the beginning, and then we would incorporate those and do like an episode, basically, of ER, but a ridiculous one, and it was. Ah. Very funny, very silly. I worked on that show. It was like one of my longer like professional acting gigs, uh, you know, is at the Royal George Theater. We were there every weekend, multiple shows a day, you know, just doing the thing. But it was always different. It was super fun. Um, and I guess it was always, kind of did you always do BS in those shows or was so it? That, well, that one was BS, but that company, they did a bunch of different shows. I also did um, my favorite, I think, with them was um, it was a parody of Chekhov plays. So uh, we called it Improvinov and we would get suggestions at the beginning and basically do like a, a Chekhov play, but ridiculous. Yeah. Um, all improvised. So that was very, very fun. I got to play the violin in that too. That's cool. Yeah, now, it was silly. <laughs> how did you learn to play the violin? Did you play it in school or? I grew up doing that. I said that I grew up in a theater family, but really my dad was a musician and that's why he was working at this high school really he was there as a a music teacher and the music teacher happened to be you know also doing the musicals so like you can play an oboe all right now go teach some acting (laughs) yeah something like that kind of you know (laughs) high school um so my dad is a musician so we all kind of grew up playing instruments and violin was my instrument you know started from a young age in my teen years i rebelled and against my father. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do music anymore. I'm just going to do theater. Uh, so that was unfortunate for me, but the, the skills kind of stayed with me. And if I practice enough, I can, yeah, I can sound okay. I can sound pretty good. It's, it's not professional level, but <laughs> it works like in the, in the context of a show, you know? <laughs> so I was watching a video of you. I think it's from Caravita where you're playing the violin and I kept, I kept trying to zoom in to see if there were strings on it or not. Cause you're playing with another person. At the same it's time. real. I was totally playing. Yeah. That was well, me. At some point, well, you, you play a bottle first. So, you know, <laughs> it's not, a, it's not I, that, a... yes, that also happens. In <laughs> but the person I played with Claire, uh, she's really amazing. She's actually touring with Hades town right now in their band. Oh, cool. uh, so she's totally fabulous and made me sound way better for playing with her. <laughs> so you so you're a professional actor and then you know you go to you know you figure out improv and you probably realize you have some some chops and being funny and you and you you probably fall in love with making people laugh because it's intoxicating um and then you see the circus as you're walking by but then you said you moved to san francisco how how, how do you make oh, that how, how'd you make that that's the jump to the clown conservatory had you yeah, heard about like it before places oh. and is that that's jeff what? raz right Yes, <laughs> Jeff. And what does your yes. partner say during all of this? <laughs> well, that's okay. So this is where things get kind of, I don't know. It's like, no one believes this, but um, so my partner was actually my high school sweetheart, which is a little bit embarrassing. We dated in high school. We were both like theater kids. Um, and then when it was time for college, we broke up because we we just felt like, oh, we need to like go live our lives. We stayed friends. Anyway, meanwhile, we both become adults. He discovers clowning over here. I discover circus over here. We both end up living in Chicago. And so we start kind of like hanging out again and taking circus classes together again. And of course, they're like falling in love again. Um, So that's that story. So he 
while I'm like working as an actor in Chicago, he's working as a professional clown um, in Chicago. And we're like, you know, living the like crazy 20s, I don't know, lives where we think we're busy and we're, you know, doing all the weird stuff. So we're planning to get married. And as most people do after they get married, we decide that we should probably leave everything in our lives and go to clown school. Yeah. Typical story. Um, So we did. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think it was like we felt like we'd reached a certain level in Chicago and we both... It, you know, it felt like before we're 30, maybe if we're going to like really go for this, we should, we should go for it. And, and we need a like to, to level up our training. So, um, so that was kind of it a little bit. It was like, I really, he was doing really well. And I also wanted to give him that, that boost. Um, you know, I think as many partnerships, I sort of like believed in him more than he believed in himself and he believed in me more than I believed in myself. So uh-huh. we, we worked pretty well that way, I guess. Um, so we moved out here together to go to clown school. And in the similar way that I was horrified about improv, I was actually horrified by clowns. I thought clowning was, I mean, I thought my husband, his name is Drew. I thought he was very funny, but overall I was like, I never want to wear a red nose. I don't like, that's really just not me. But I saw that, okay, clowning can be used as like maybe a a way to combine theater and circus. And that was really what I wanted to do was combine theater and circus. So I was like, okay, I'll just do the program. I'll be honest. I had to kind of lie to Jeff Raz when I was doing the interview for the school with him. I was like, sure, of course I want to be a professional clown. Well, I was thinking like, no, I never want to do that. Um, (laughs) It turned out I did work professionally as a clown. Um, I do love clowns now. I love clowning. I just have my own style. <laughs> it's very. I think theatrical. I saw. I think I saw you only wore a red nose in one, one show. That is true. I've only worn a red nose in one show, and I actually have not, no problem with red noses. I think they can be great. I just don't feel comfortable. I don't like feel like me. And if I'm gonna be really funny and really like genuinely funny, it feels better to like just be kind yeah. of me, the most ridiculous version of me. Yeah. So. Uh, but that's for me, other people, other things, you know? So <laughs> was there a moment when you got rid of the nose? Were you like, <laughs> no, again, I wish like, right. Like a, a finally parting ways, finding myself. No, <laughs> there was not. <laughs> it's mostly like, fine. I'll wear this. So I had to No, the show I did wear it in was atomic clown, which is Sarah Toby Moore's brilliant. It's like a brilliant clown theater piece um that's about her own like struggle with cancer and it's funny and heartbreaking and the nose was really just like kind of a bit in it but um anyway that's that's so with clowning like even you before you became a clown had a negative stereotype about it like what where does that come from and why does it why does it permeate in our culture and like how do we change that like what like do you have theories on that? I'm, yeah, so, I'm, I'm fascinated yeah. by it. Yeah, no. And I think there's sort of two like negative stereotypes, right? There's like this scary clown trope, which, you know, I'm really not into. I, I don't want to like knock it too much because I know some people love like the horror genre. Yeah, and like in the genre, like anything can be scary, right? Like it, it's not just clowns. Like everything is scary in the horror genre. Not my thing. That's fine. It's for some people, not for me. <clears throat> but 
so that's like one of the sort of ugly stereotypes I think is that clowns are scary. I think the other one is just that they're like, that it's like kind of dumb and not even really funny or gotcha. something. And then it like feels sort of like fake and jokey and like little kiddish or, mm-hmm. but it turns out little kids are actually, they're the ones that'll call you on it if you're not being genuine. <laughs> you know, they're going to be the ones that are like, what are you doing? They, they don't take- I heard Milton Berle say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not going to like politely clap for you like adults will. So they're actually great audiences to try material on because they will let you know. Um, but I think that's what I discovered when I really started doing clowning. And there, there were a lot of groups that I saw that were already doing this where it's, you know, like in Chicago, there's like 500 clown here. There's Sarah Toby Moore's group that's doing amazing circus or like clown theater stuff. Um, but it's like, to me, you know, a clown is allowed to do all kinds of things that regular people can't do, but it's, we all have that side of us, right? <laughs> like that, it like that goes against the grain that breaks the rules. And, and this can be done in a more playful, lighthearted way that might be more oriented for like family audiences, um, you know, and like the slapstick and stuff. I think all of that's like great if it's done well. Or, but I think clowning also has a place in more like adult stuff, you know, digging yeah. into real themes. Um, 500 Clown, one of their brilliant shows is like a clown Macbeth. And it's it's got a lot of heavy themes about power and greed and, mm. you know, all of this. And, and a clown can really get into that because a clown can be ridiculous and can break the rules. And like, I, sorry, I'm about to start talking about Moisture Festival, but the show, the, the act I took to Moisture Festival, I consider a clown act. Um, anyway, I won't say any more about it. No, yeah, you can't. I don't want to break up the conversation. We're having no, no, no. I mean, I think it plays in because, like, you did a, a clown trapeze combination, right? Like, and you don't That's see like that the one where it's like the the office girl or like. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I only saw I only saw clips of it on your website. Okay. So I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah. No, I started as an audience member and actually like come up from the audience during the show with as though I'm gonna like try and take a selfie. Um, and the times when this has worked best, people really believe I'm an audience member at first, you know, and it goes for a while before they're like, oh, she's a plant, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but the idea is like, I really want to get like a picture of myself on stage and, you know, and then I see the trapeze and it's like, oh, well, maybe I, maybe I just like get a picture up there on the trapeze, you know, and then there's like silliness of getting up and, um, but really, you know, throughout the act, I end up like losing all my regular person clothes and have like a sparkly bikini underneath, but, um, <laughs> so fun. That's all fun, you know, um, but really, it's kind of like the the act, I guess, thematically or concept is sort of about like shedding all of this, these like restrictions that we put on ourselves. Right. And I think especially for women and in that in that character, while I'm doing the act, I talk to the audience the whole time. I'm like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. chatting with them. And, and I say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry a lot when I screw up, which I think is something that women were taught to like apologize for everything. And um, but in the end, it's like. You know, she's like, never mind. I'm amazing and beautiful, and I'm wearing this sparkly bikini. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're one of the few talking trapeze acts, too. That's something you don't see very often. No, it's because it's it's difficult because it's you know you run you like get out of breath and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's difficult. Um, 
Also, a lot of aerialists like are, don't really talk. I mean, they talk probably <laughs> in normal life, but they don't really like talk on stage or have like characters. Not all of them. And many, you know, I now know a bunch of people who are starting to do more aerial comedy, which I think is awesome. Yeah. It's very fun, very funny. Um, and you know, part of my whole thing is this like circus theater fusion. So I'm I've been working with all of these performers and like really helping them develop both both skills on both sides of the spectrum, like their their theater and acting skills as well as circus skills, um, and bringing up you know the ones that they they don't have as strong. Is so. is that why Teatro Zinzan or not Teatro uh, that Cirque du Soleil had such huge success because it was like the sort of first that I know of that was like had a storyline that was like, you know, you roughly could uh, decipher. Um, <laughs> yeah. I definitely am not going to say anything bad about Cirque du Soleil right yeah. now. Um, but, you know, you <laughs> know, I don't know if they out. were the first sort of, <laughs> um, you know, fusing the theater and circus together uh, because I've seen it more and more over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their work is, and is very, very conceptual. Yes. So you really get, there is a very clear style that runs through it. A very, even if you don't quite understand the theme or the storyline, you kind of follow an emotional journey on it. And that's big, I think, is, you know, traditional theater is very, or traditional circus is fun. It's enjoyable. It's exciting. But it, doesn't necessarily take you on an emotional journey. It doesn't necessarily make you feel attached to the people you're walking on stage. You might, you might feel scared for them. <laughs> you mm, might yeah. feel like excited or thrilled or, or think that they're beautiful or sexy or whatever, or funny. But I, I don't think you feel like attached to them in the way that you feel attached to a character who's in a story. And you really, you really do. You worry about, like you, you want to know what's going to happen with them. You empathize with them. You're curious about them. Um, yeah. So that's what I find exciting. Like, I love that about theater yeah. or movies or books or right. Mm -hmm. I like, I love to go on that, that journey of the story. Um, and well, isn't yeah. in all, oh. all the Cirque du Soleil shows, the clown is the tie that carries it through the whole show, too. Uh, usually. Yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah. Those Cirque du Soleil shows, I walk away always just being like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, there was something I was supposed to understand. And I I don't know if I'm, a, I sometimes I just feel like I'm an idiot. I'm like, did I just no. not understand? The, the knee jerk, Matt, here's the, the, what you do is they're all Dante's Inferno. Okay. All right. There you go. All right, perfect. <laughs> I I don't think you're necessarily supposed to understand. Okay. All right. Cool. Some of them are more clear than others, I think. But you but you feel like you experienced something that was of a whole, right? Yes. Do you think that the sort of it's harder to sort of be engaged with the character in circus traditionally because the performers are only there for such a short period of time? I mean, the acts only consist of typically you know, four to nine minutes. And do you think that that's why it never sort of like came to fruition that we'd infuse more personality, not necessarily more personality, but more storyline or character building? Um, I don't know. I'm just... I, yeah, I mean, I do think that's, that is probably part of it. I think also just that there is, in most traditional circuses, there is no storyline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's not supposed to be a, some of them are horrified by it. I mean, a lot of, like circus people like just hate the very idea of it so 
Yeah. It's not everybody. I don't know. <laughs> well, I hate the idea of acting because when I, I was the MC for one of the nights at Moisture Festival that you were there. I thought and, you were. Okay. Yeah. And so it required me like, cause you come in and it requires me to act like you are an audience member. And it made me feel so uncomfortable because I'm not an actor and I am such a bad actor when I do it. That's funny. <laughs> See, I, cause I think, I feel like you did a really good job with it. So. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but that was completely a ad complete adrenaline out of nerves though. That was no skill at all. So, so, okay. So what percentage of what you do now is actually performing versus teaching, directing, like what's the balance or what's the, the ratios? Yeah. I mean, I don't perform very much right now, to be honest. Um, so when I did Moisture Festival, that was that was like kind of around the height of my performing. I was just about to tour my solo show, which I did. And then the pandemic happened. Like I got back from London <laughs> from doing my show and about two weeks later, everything shut down. So thankfully I got back. Everything was good. Um and then, yeah, so we all know kind of how the pandemic went for performers. Uh, I found it during the pandemic, I had like a rush of creativity. I felt like, oh, I must like do stuff or I'm going to go crazy or it's all going to go away or whatever the thing was. I don't know. So I was making all kinds of things, but I was mostly directing, producing because I personally hate being on camera and everything was on camera. So I I would just rather be behind the camera. So that was fun. Um is that when you did uh, like circus pop-ups? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why don't you um, tell us what that is? Ah, yeah. So lots of fun stuff during the pandemic. Well, circus pop-ups was really fun. That was actually, we were starting to emerge from the pandemic. And um, me and a couple of my friends, we were like, it's time. We got to do something. It's time to get something out Not that's not on camera. Um, so we designed this like series of like pop-up circus things that would happen. And so I think we did seven of them and they were all in like different iconic locations in San Francisco. So we did one like over at the Sutro Baths and we did one at the Palace of Fine Arts and um, a bunch of other famous places. Um, Alamo Square, like where the, you know, the houses, the um, full house houses, <laughs> that's Alamo Square. Anyway, fam famous like San Francisco locations. And um, it we would sort of like pop up there and have a live one live musician, one circus artist, and one interactive performer, and do these wow. like short, short shows, like these like fifteen minute little shows. Do them a few times throughout the day, and just for whoever was there, we did like a little bit of guerrilla marketing, and some people would come for it, but a lot of times it was just whoever happened to be out and about. And at this point, like people were. Everybody was like wanting to be outside because we weren't really indoors yet, but people weren't afraid of being outdoors together. Um, we did also make videos of them. So those are available on YouTube. They're very beautiful, I think. Uh, yeah. But we made a, like a short video of each. And first, you know, for people who were like not in San Francisco or, or weren't comfortable coming out. Um, and those are beautiful. And then I put those together into like a short 
film and they were actually it was the audience choice award at the circus international film festival so mm-hmm. I'm proud of that um but they're it, it's worth watching i think they're really lovely they you know people are like our performers are wearing masks so it does feel like of a time the time stamp <laughs> you know? yeah yeah, yeah. But we wanted to, we wanted people to feel comfortable, you know, coming and watching, and and it was moving for people. There were a lot of people who said, like, you know, just like how much it meant to them to see to see a performance. It had been yeah. so long since they'd seen a live performer, and to have that just sort of like, kind of emerge in you know in in the world, it, it felt hopeful. It felt like things yeah. were coming back. So it was. So How'd fun. you get into to then being behind the camera? Did you have any training? Well, okay. So going back to my childhood for one moment, I always actually had a secret dream of being a cinematographer. (laughs) Uh, That was a dream that never went anywhere, but I always like thought, oh, it'd be like really cool to be a cinematographer. Anyway, so fast forward to the pandemic and suddenly the only way to make anything is to be behind the camera. And as I said, I did not like being in front of the camera. I found it horrifying. So I just like started picking up some video skills. I did a boot camp program at a Bay Area Video Coalition. I think maybe they've got a slightly different name now. But anyway, it's a, it's like a Bay Area video uh school (laughs) so I did like a boot camp with them to get some skills and I learned so much and also learned that there's like way more to learn than you know you could learn forever but it gave me enough good skills to like be able to put together some pretty nice stuff and edit it myself and and these are useful skills anyway um (laughs) you know we're always like having to like video our own stuff and (laughs) and edit it right so it was fun. You know, it's like directing on stage, but you get to kind of just move stuff wherever you want. Yeah, and the actors later. back nice. at you or, you know, they never get tired. You just keep moving them, you know. So it's Wait, fun. actors talk back? <laughs> oh, no, never. Of course not. Of course not. You, you uh, after you moved to San Francisco, you became the artistic director of the Circus Center in San Francisco. My question is, what is it like to run a circus center? And like, what are some of the ridiculous things that you have to deal with that would never come up at a different job? Um, yes. So I was the artistic director at Circus Center for two years, the la- like pretty much the last two years. So I did many other things at Circus Center before becoming their artistic director, but it was amazing. You know, I started, it was like coming out of the pandemic. Um, they invited me to do this job and it was a lot. <laughs> uh, I know that's not answering your question yet. I'm going to get to it. Um, but it was wonderful too. I learned, I learned so much. Um, and it's just like amazing working with all these different students from youth students to adult students, to emerging professionals, to professionals, you know, all of them in all these different settings. Um, But let's see, what do you have to deal with? I mean, working at a circus school is like, you know, we do a lot around like making sure that the class schedules are happening and we've got the right teachers and all of that. As artistic director, my main thing was running the production season. Um, So, and we did shows that varied from like little cabaret shows to like our big, like, you know, big all school circus spectacular shows and everything in between ensemble shows and all this, all this stuff. Um, But, you know, you find yourself like having big conversations around like 
odd props. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something like actually really interesting. I don't know. It's a lot of marketing. Like how many sear wheels do we really need? Oh my God. Actually, speaking of the sear wheels, there are so many. So this is it. You're right. So because it's a circus school, <laughs> we perform in the same spaces we train in. So every time there's a performance, we have to like move everything. Yeah. And so it's a lot of hauling mats. And in the theater at Circus Center, there literally are like 14 sear wheels. And every time it's like, okay, do we want to move all the sear wheels into another room? Or or is it kind of make it look like, oh, look, it's a circus school because there's sear wheels here. So that is a real thing. There's so many sure. sear wheels. You're like, what? the end of sear wheels, everyone's going to hop into one and roll it into the annex. And I wish that that's what it felt like, but most of them are like giant. I'm not a very mm -hmm. tall person. And so it's like, come back here, sear wheel. Come back here. And you're like chasing after it. But why do you have that many? I mean, the space is probably big enough to do one sear wheel in the room. Like, Well, Circus Hunter's very very big. So you can actually have multiple sear wheels okay. at a time, but every person, every body needs like a different, you really need it fitted to you. So you ah. need a sear wheel for every size. I mean, you know, within a few inches, but yeah. Wow. So thus a lot of sear. Have you ever done a sear wheel? No, only moving it down the hallway to another okay. room, honestly. <laughs> I did German wheel a little bit, but steer wheel was like, yeah, <laughs> And, you know, we're catching you just as you are leaving that job, I think, according to your LinkedIn, yeah. um, and you started your own circus company. What was, uh, what was sort of the decision to start your own circus company? Well, one of the things I loved most while I was artistic director at Circus Center was, was was getting to do shows that were like my dream shows. Um, so the one I'll, that I'll give as an example was my adaptation of The Secret Garden. Like that's like totally my jam. It's definitely theater and also has a beautiful ensemble circus in it as well as like featured circus acts. To me, it's like all the things, a beautiful, meaningful story. Um, so that was like a dream come true, getting to to work on that as like part of my regular job was amazing. Um, and really like I, we we did that one year and then it was very successful. So we remounted it at the Children's Creativity Museum, which is downtown in Yerba Buena. And, um, and I just was like, this is like, I this is really what I wanna be mm. doing all the time. And, uh, and Circus Center was kind of actually shifting a little more towards well, less theatrical productions and more just focusing on training for students because it's a school. Uh, so it just, it sort of made sense for, for me to, to take that next step. Um, and as I said, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. So like, maybe I should have started my own company years ago, but oh. I, sometimes you just know when the time is right. Yeah. And the, the time was right. You know, I, have like now I have like a big backlog of you know experience as a performer as well as a director. I got a lot of producing experience working you know during the pandemic and working at Circus Center, um, and you really need that in order to start your own company successfully because producing is it's a lot. You know, it's more than just like I've got this great show idea. There's yeah. all this like oh producer stuff, and now I know how to do that. So I I'm in a place where I'm like set up for success and ready, ready to like, kind of do it on all fronts. Um, 
So is it a physical space that you have? No, but that's okay. In San Francisco, it's very hard to have a physical space. Yeah. But um, the bonus, no steer wheels. Yes. That's right. No steer wheels. Um, <laughs> no, I'm actually, uh, I mean, there's a few theater, like theater buildings that I've been talking with, but we are doing a holiday show is like sort of our inaugural show because the holidays are coming up and we're doing that at the Children's Creativity Museum. Um, yeah. Again, like that partnership for the Secret Garden was beautiful. Uh, and they have this great, great like 150 seat theater it's lovely it fits circus just right like just right so that the circus really fills up the space and it feels cool. so exciting in there and so close and intimate um and i love that but it's also small enough that you can talk and the audience can hear you without having a mic you know people who are also like flipping and flying through the air so it works it works out just right um and i'm in a place right now where i'm really enjoying doing work that um that is accessible to family audiences and children you know i i think that our audience base is is shifting right now and it's important to start to build up sort of that new generation of audience. And as yeah. a mother myself, like I have a particular interest, I guess, and, <laughs> you know, stuff that my, my own kids would enjoy or, yeah. you know, and I've been working with youth students. So I'm kind of like in that place a little bit. Um, and I would say my, you know, there, you see a lot of like stuff for kids that like feels kitty and my work does not feel kitty. Um, in fact, we were kind of worried with the secret garden that it would be too much because it's all about death and grief yeah. and trauma you know all mm -hmm. these serious things but kids love that stuff they love dark things you know and they they want to be approached on a more sophisticated level and the adults who accompany them don't want to be bored out of their mind yeah. you know they want to be talked down to so i'm really excited about doing work that has like a lot of levels where kids can enjoy it you know, at their maturity level and, and adults can get this whole other, you know, meaning out of it. Um, many adults came out of the secret garden, just like in tears, good tears, I think good tears, but just like so moved by it, you know, because they've had experiences of, of love and, and loss. And they're crying because they have to explain death to their child. Their kids. Like, screw oh, you, like, lady. Why'd you on this being my Saturday? <laughs> um, so I'm into that. I'm also working on more serious stuff though, or like more adult stuff. I, uh, uh, I am also working on more like, I guess adult stuff. Um, I just got back from working on a show. It's called Intangible. It's a really beautiful piece written by uh, Brianna Kalish. Kalish, ooh, Brianna. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, she's based in New York. And uh, she wrote this beautiful play about dementia. It's about a woman with dementia and her family and how they negotiate it. And throughout the play, the woman's memories come to life in these like circus oh, that's cool. it's very beautiful you know so she, as she remembers her family and her children it's like you see them and they're doing like a jump rope and unicycle and it's like very playful and it, it's you know and all all the different things and beautiful aerial moment it's very beautiful play so she found me amazingly thank you brianna for finding me um to direct this because I'm, I'm one of the few people that like really specializes in circus theater mm -hmm. um and we we this summer we went to frenchtown new jersey at this amazing place it's called art yard and their whole thing is bringing artists in to develop work so we were there like living working there for two we weeks 
lived in their house. Wow. They worked in a beautiful theater, just two weeks straight, us and some like performers, these great actor, you know, circus people. And we like built out the show pretty much in two weeks. So, uh, and it's beautiful and you can learn more about it online. Um, <laughs> in those two weeks, how often are you, like how much time are you spending on the show? I mean, like, what does that look like in a two week span? If you doing a whole coming up with a whole show? Like... Yeah. I mean, okay. The show at the end of the two weeks, we would not have been ready to like, like tour it at that gotcha. point. It needs, it does need more time. No workshop it. Yeah, especially the circus stuff, it just, it takes longer than two weeks. But we did like mini versions of each of the circus acts pretty much. And so that you could really, we could get a sense of the show as a whole. Mm -hmm. We had an open showing, the audience really loved it. Um, but how much did we work? We, Brianna and I both felt really strongly about being respectful of people as humans. That's really important to me as a director and a producer. So we worked no more than 40 hours a week or required them to work no more than 40 hours a week. I worked more than 40 hours a week. <laughs> uh, Brianna worked more than 40 hours, but that's, you know, that's how it goes. That's fine. Um, they, they're also like using their bodies, you know, in crazy ways. And um, yeah, so we wanted to be really careful of them and uh, treat them really well. And we did. And we also wanted to be respectful of the staff at the space and not because they had to be there if we were there, you know, someone had to keep the building open. Um, so it was lovely. I, you know, everybody worked really beautifully, collaboratively. Uh, and now we're working on like next step of, of getting like the full production out. Um, hopefully like a New York premiere oh, in the next time. year, hopefully even a San Francisco premiere in the next year. Ooh. So, uh, so people should watch for that. Um, it'll be a great touring show. It's a small cast. Yeah. So, you know, we're hoping it'll like go all over the country. Now, nice. I have a, just a question, just to backtrack a little bit about the People Circus here, which is your new theater company. Sort of what's the template of moving forward? Like, is it you develop a show uh, and then you tour that show around, you know, get theaters and arts festivals and various venues to sort of pay for you to come in and do a run. And then once you sort of feel like you've exhausted that, or you maybe keep that out and then you go back to the chopping block and write a new show. Is that sort of the template of how that's going to work? Um, yeah, a little bit. You're very close to what I've been thinking. And I like some of your ideas, especially about getting paid to do stuff <laughs> really like that. Um, <laughs> no, uh, though, you know, again, we're only working on our first, well, we're only in rehearsal for our first show right now. I'm working on some other shows, but yes, I, the, my plan is that we have probably one show a year that's really just going to be local, just in the Bay Area. Things like the holiday show, we're we're probably not going to tour that. That's gotcha. more for our local audiences, a lovely, mm -hmm. fun thing. Hopefully make some money doing it, you know, yeah. to help support some of the future things. But the other shows, I, I am envisioning building at least some of them as shows that will be tourable. Yeah. Um, and I'm working on one, right? I'm working on writing one right now and writing grant applications for one <laughs> right now also. Um, and that's based on uh, the the fairy tale of the Nightingale. Um, it's going to be all about like 
uh, AI and technology and um, and how that's sort of like causing more stratification in economies and stuff. Anyway, but fun and in a circusy way. So really fun. Um, <laughs> I think stratification. <laughs> I think circus. So intense. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> other things are kind of in the works. I also, I have kind of a secret love of like doing like big, I, you know, I think it's from working in a circus school. I just think can't, I loved it when we got to do shows where there were like a hundred people on stage and just like, so I am hoping every now and again to get to do like just one of those, like a giant everybody shows just because they're fun, but just like the huge cast at the moisture festival. Boom. Oh, yeah. what? <laughs> what a great tie in Louie. <laughs> so how did you end up at the moisture festival? Um, well, the Moisture Festival is a very coveted festival. I am telling you, aerialists especially, every aerialist is like, oh man, how'd you get in there? And I was like, I think it's because I was funny, but <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I submitted my stuff a few years in a row. And then finally they were like, we're sick of watching this lady's videos. <laughs> so bring her in. No, I think it was because I was funny. It was different, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, I think it was unique and yeah. So how did, I don't know. I mean, I really did what everybody else does. I just submitted my stuff. And you were there at Hales, not the new, like the new venue. I only was. Yeah. It's been a while now. I think it was in, it must've been 2019. What was your, what, what was your thoughts going into it? And then what did those thoughts change after you were there? Oh, right. Uh, maybe it was 2018 too. I'm not sure. Actually. I think but- it was 2019. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was very nervous because it does have a lot of cachet. Like really in San Francisco, people are always like, ooh, the moisture festival. Because so, <laughs> no, we, we both are from Seattle. So it's like, you know. It's our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I was nervous. But it was, I mean, the the great thing about it is like having the live band was awesome. There's like, it's so fun to get to work with a live band. And it was great because they were just fabulous. So that was, that put me at ease right away, getting, working with them. Cause they were like, just so fun and chill. Um, so that was really fun. And then everybody's just like really fun and funny and supportive. And I don't know. So it was a very fun, actually, Jeff Raz, we, I know I talked about him earlier. But he he and I are good friends and he's also my mentor. But I remember before I went, he said to me, you know, at Moisture Festival, it's really all about the green room. And he's right. <laughs> like, it's very fun, you know, and you're meeting all these people um, and everybody like, you know, it's like three degrees of separation usually. Um, so I don't know. It was fun. Nice. Would you do it again? I, well, again, I'm not really performing much these days, but I, I don't know. What could I, what could I bring? Or do you ever hire a bring a vignette from Caravita, a clown concerto directed by the aforementioned Jeff Raz? Well, yes, I could. (laughs) I thought. Was it you that juggles babies? Did I see I that? Do. Yes, not not live babies. Doll, but, baby dolls. Don't be frightened. Down, do you give birth to the babies on stage in a wedding dress? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so first, it's like a trick. It's like a trick, quick change dress. So first, I'm wearing like a concert dress. It's black, you know. And then I do like a fall in love with this person. It's an audience member. And then I do like a quick change into a, suddenly I'm in a wedding dress. It's magic. 
Um, and then babies get born. It's, you know, we basically live out like the, you know, first important years of our lives together in a matter of about 20 minutes. It is a long time having an audience member on stage for like 20 minutes with you. Yeah. A long time. And it's amazing. Um, Do you have a space in the program for credits where and you get a little <laughs> golf pencil you can write the guy's name in? No, that's such a brilliant idea though. <laughs> I love it. I mean, some of these guys, I, you know, I really like just think of each of them fondly. Uh -huh. uh, like such a sweet experience. Um, I mean, that's a huge risk bringing someone up there for that long because even you know, your audience management, I mean, that's pretty tough. Do you ever get somebody that is just like a complete stinker or? I had one. Like, a, did you I divorce had... him like right on stage? And then, it like, was get a... really, it was tough. It was when I was in London, I was doing Vault Festival there. This is a crazy festival i hope it's still happening it's like in the train like the old train tunnels of london so it's underground it's it was raining like crazy when i was in london so it was very wet underground i mean i think it's like damp down there anyway but it was yeah. like raining on stage basically you know and they've got all these like lights so they're all they they said they oh we only buy outdoor lights because it's always so wet <laughs> you know so they're like mm -hmm. made for this anyway so i'm doing this you know i've got like a I do five nights in London. It's my last show, which was too bad, but it was like a weird night. It was like a Sunday night and it, the weather was horrendous. So everybody had small audiences that night. Like people just did not show up. So I had very, very slim pickings. And I, I, you know, I'm usually really good at picking the right audience member and I made the wrong choice and, and this happens, you know, um, I made the wrong choice and this guy was a total dud and I, I, I still like kind of went through my things with him, mm. but I tried to like minimize the impact on him. Cause he was, it was like not fun for him uh, you know, or yeah. any, any of us. Or any, or um, anyone. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, but that being said, like every other time I did it, even the guys who were nervous, it was like beautiful. And they always come after me up to me afterwards and like, are just like glowing. You know, it's an amazing, they love it. It's like this just whole, uh, like, like in England, I this is a real marriage, you. just so you know, <laughs> it's a little bit like a real marriage. Um, and we divorce on good terms, except the one guy that was rough. Um, the rest of them, we all, we all left on good terms. Yeah. I, if I were writing, you had, that, you had to have, have the like one, a, uh, protection order. Yeah. I would have like a secondary to, to sort of make sure that I had a backup for someone who was so bad that like, you know, maybe it is a horrible breakup right in the middle. And like, you have to go to trial and, you know, like split up the babies. You well, know? I did have like a contingency written in where I could throw someone back and grab somebody else yeah. if they were a dud. Um, or maybe like you find someone else for like a one night stand or something. I, that's actually already written in there and you can only oh, ask okay. one night stand. So <laughs> yeah, the third baby, a questionable where that third baby <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh if did we miss anything i feel like i forgot to did i ask you about the tower grove players oh my gosh wow you really dug deep um impressive but tell okay. us about the tower grove players and will they ever come back well it's really my like my deep dream that they will come back so 
as I said, I was a theater kid. So me and my siblings over the summer would put on shows when we were kids. And I, my older sister is like four years older than me. And she was also like a theater person. She was always the like, kind of like better one, you know, I don't know what to say. I, or I thought that cause she was older than me. So she did everything first, but we would put on shows. Some of them were very serious. Um, <laughs> and some of them were very silly, but we would do these summer shows for a while. We even got up Tower Grove is like the neighborhood we live in and the park. And we would Who do them. The shows the for? They were free. We just like asked for donations. Um, but neighborhood people would come. We just like made stuff and like, yeah. That's, so that's what we would spend, spend our summers doing. It that's was pretty amazing. cute. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it was kind of like always been. What I do, I guess, is like make shows. I've been yeah. doing it since I was, yeah. I mean, when I was really little, my siblings and I, when we were like little kids, we really would, we would like put together shows and then like do them for my parents. And crazy. So it's kind of just always been, so in a way, I'm just sort of coming full circle with the People's Circus Theater and nice. Well, we're glad you uh, decided to go full time. We're glad yes. you moved to San Francisco and we're glad you were able to come up to the Moisture Festival and please consider coming back. We would uh, yeah. love to, uh, see some new stuff and maybe, you know, uh, see you marry somebody in Seattle and have would their be really fun. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> Where can people find you at? Yes. Um, you can either, my personal website is felicityhesed.com. Um, hopefully you guys have some place to write these. They're not easy names, but I really hope people will follow people's circus theater. It's theater R E um .org that is the website but we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook and we just started so we really we, we need some more followers but you'll see like beautiful exciting circus stuff you'll see really like beautiful meaningful emotional theater work um so please and funny stuff too of course funny you got to have the funny um I do hope people will will follow and check us out because yeah. before you know it, we'll be like touring around the country and stuff. So people are going to want to know about this. Um, we're doing really exciting work. Awesome. And if you want to see some of the videos that you made during COVID, you can see those on YouTube, right? Yes. And I believe they're linked on my website too, but- um, They are linked on your website because that's- Thank you very much. They're definitely linked on my website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On my personal website. My The People Circus Theater, I'm still still working on building out that website, but- Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us uh, tonight. This was awesome. I'm glad this finally happened like yes. four years later. I know. I mean, it's really ridiculous. So it's, it is good. <laughs> Thank you, Felicity. It's uh, awesome to get to talk to you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at
If you would like to find out information on Louie and I's shows, you can do so by visiting Louie's site, which is Fox with two X's dot com. And Matt Baker's site, ComedyStuntShow.com, spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled. Yes. And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.